It is Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Matt Jones. That conversation was in part because tonight, Hard Knocks debuts. The Detroit Lions are the team, and apparently, Harry, Aiden Hutchinson does the rookie singing, and he does Michael Jackson, Billy Jean. And apparently, according to early reports, it's the best rookie singing performance ever. Tonight, Aiden Hutchinson doing Billie Jean. Are you excited to see that? Of course I am. I definitely will be tuned in. I'm a huge fan of Hard Knocks. And I think with all the um, – you look at Dan Campbell and what he's been able to to present us or with laughs and a, a bunch of giggles, I think we'll be able to watch that and, and, and enjoy it. I think it's going to be a very interesting – Hard Knocks is all about the personalities of the people on it. And Dan Campbell, I, I think it. he might be insane, but that doesn't mean he's not <laughs> going to be great television. Exciting. And so I am very much looking forward to it. Now, we were talking earlier, Roquan Smith has demanded – uh, a trade from my Chicago Bears. He's the best player they have, and it's disappointing um, that that to me that that's happened. But it's the way it goes. The Bears have said they offered him a record-setting contract, but Ro- Roquan Smith had this to say, Harry. Tell everybody what he said in his statement about said contract offer. He wrote, unfortunately, the new front office regime doesn't value me here. They refuse to negotiate in good faith. Every step of this journey has been take it or leave it. The deal sent to me is one that would be bad for myself and the entire linebacker market if I signed it. I've been trying to get something done that's fair since April, but their focus has been on trying to take advantage of me. That's not good. Pretty strong words. Now, the Bears GM, Ryan Poles, had this to say about the same offer. There's record-setting pieces of this contract I knew for a fact was – I thought was going to show him the respect that he deserves. And obviously that hasn't been the case. Uh, with that said, you know, we can't lose sight that this isn't about one player. My job is to build a roster that's going to sustain su- success for a long period of time. Mm. So it's clear. I mean, again, we're not in the negotiations, Harry, so we don't know what they said. We don't know what's what. We can only take the statements. But it is clear to me, hearing those statements, especially from Roquan, that it's not just about, at least to him, this idea of a difference in money. He wants to give – they want to give 20, I want 22, which is the kind of thing you can work out. When you're saying about showing me the respect I deserve, it's almost Oof. like you're taking that personally. And, Harry, it feels like to me that's a lot harder to come back from. It, it is, but he also said that he would love to play for the Bears organization – but here's the thing. When I think about Matt Eberfuse and I think about his years while he was there with the Indianapolis Colts and um, Darius Leonard and what he meant to his defense, I think about a guy like Roquan Smith and how valuable he can uh, be to what they're trying to build there in Chicago. Now, granted, it may take some years in doing so, but when you look at a guy like Roquan Smith, who is a solid veteran that a lot of young players may look up to and count on and, 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 and to lean on and give him direction – you don't want to lose that guy. This is a guy that had 100-and-something tackles last year and led this team. But when you think about the, the rest of the veterans that are no longer with him, you think about Akeem Hicks, right? You think about Khalil Mack. Uh, you think about Allen Robinson. Now you have this going on with Roquan Smith. 
you don't want to kind of lose your locker room when you have a guy like Roquan that so many people within that organization respects at the highest level because you know he's going to bring it, not just in the game situations, but the practice to the meeting rooms when it comes to mentoring younger guys. And he's going to go out there and perform on Sundays, Mondays, Thursdays, whatever the night may be that you play a game on. So losing a valuable guy like Roquan Smith is going to be devastating for their roster, and I think you need guys like that, especially when you're having a young, a lot of young guys, and you're trying to turn things around in Chicago and get that bad narrative um, off of their jerseys. So I, I think a guy like Roquan Smith is definitely needed, and, and, and I think it would be a tra- travesty if Matt Eberflus and, and the Bears organization, Ryan Poles, and those guys lose Roquan. It would Smith. be bad. I don't get the sense that it's over. I mean, when you say I'd still like to play, then you're leaving the door oh, of open. Of course. And the, the, to me, as long as things are about money, you can find a way to work them out. Because if it's about money, like, there is an ending result. The only thing that worried me about that statement was this idea of respect. Because I know – okay, so, Harry, this is just me and you talking. Nobody's listening, right? Talk to me, baby. I know in my business life there was one time that I felt like an offer – for a job was so low that I did think it was disrespectful and it became almost impossible for me to get over that because it was almost like just you saying that see it says what you think about me now I'm not saying what Ryan Poles offered is that I don't know I haven't seen it but if if legitimately Roquan Smith thinks that because I remember when I thought that and I thought to myself I'll never work for these people again now I did I ended up continuing because the next one was a lot better. But there was a (laughs) hurdle, Harry, that I had to get over mentally. It wasn't just about finding a number. It was about, you're going to have to prove to me that this disrespect, I don't feel it. That can actually be a lot more difficult, Harry, to actually accomplish for a team. It it, it can. And and I'll tell you, I'm going to praise Roquan Smith because a lot of times – uh, people may say, well, if this is a ton of money. You should take it. No, first of all, you should understand your worth. Understand your worth and know what your worth is, not to just take any and everything. And that's what Roquan Smith is doing right here in this situation. But I got to commend him because you have a lot on, on a lot of occasions where it doesn't have to be professional sports. You have people not understanding their worth when their worth might be a, a ton more than what people are offering them. But worth is- But worth is different, Harry, in a salary cap situation. Because in a salary cap situation, you have to balance a person's worth, which I agree is what it is, with the overall what do we want to do with this team. And he may be worth a lot more than the Bears, though, can actually do to accomplish what they want with a rebuilding team. I just think that's – in, a, in the in the real world, no, that's what a great, you're that's saying, a great way to that's a great way to look at it, though. As, as exactly, well. in the real world, it's, you're it's exactly right. You should it. get as much as you can, but in the salary cap world, which is not really the real world, there's another inhibiting factor. But I have one question. I'll ask you this: Who's the best player on the Bears uh, team right now? It's Roquan Smith. <laughs> okay, case closed. Yeah, and, but but if <laughs> he wants, but but again. It might be the case that in his mind he's worth, just to use a crazy number, $10 million more than any linebacker. And maybe he could get somebody to pay it. But for the Bears, they're just like, I just can't do that because we're not winning whether we pay you this or not. And that may be what ultimately does it in. He's he's 25 years old. I know, I know. He's only been in the league four years. But I'm just saying, Harry, you don't know what he's demanding, though. It's impossible to say. We don't. You don't don't know what he's demanding, and I don't either, and that makes it. 
that makes it a lot harder. True now, story. That is just one story from training camp. But there are a lot of stories going on. We need to whip around all the training camps. Get a big whip around on all NFL training camp. That's next here on Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news! Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. It's Canty Carlin here, presented by Progressive Insurance. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Matt Jones, educating each other on the various parts of life. And now it is time to do to talk a little training camp. It's going on all over the place, and it's hard when there are 32 NFL teams. Like, what do you say? There's stuff happening in all of them. So our producer Evan has come up with something he likes to call Evan's Whip Around. And Evan's Whip Around is he will give us news from all the training camps. And then we'll comment it. So let's go. It's Evan's whip around. Evan, what's first? All right, Harry. From Browns camp, here's Jake Trotter, our Browns reporter, saying that wide receiver punt returner Jakeem Grant might have suffered a serious Achilles injury in practice today. Grant was having a terrific camp out of the slot and returning kicks. Punts would be a huge blow. What are your thoughts on the potential Jakeem Grant injury at Browns camp? Yeah, you look at a guy who can change the game in a blink of an eye because every time he touches the ball, he's going to be electrifying. Um, but when I look at the Browns and I look at the where their, their makeup is, running the football, right, two backs, even though Kareem Hunt has requested a trade, right now they currently still have those two running backs. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that much of a factor in the return game, yes, but when it comes to – uh, on uh, on the field play offensively, I don't think it'll be that big of a in deal. In the big picture, Harry, do you think punt returns matter? I mean, if you got Devin Hester, obviously they matter. But if yep. you just if you just have a regular, average, everyday punt returner, does it really make that much of a difference? I'll say this: uh, if you can score, set up a score, yes. But if you just have an average guy, you are taught to just secure the football and try to get one first down. So that's one less first down that the offense has to try to hit. So, so it's like into, so an average guy, it's not that big a deal. No, yeah, an electrifying kinda, guy like a Devin Hester or Cordell Patterson, uh, he does make, make kick returns though. But uh, a Patman Jones, when he was was doing it, yes, it matters. But uh, everyday guy, no, it doesn't. Yeah. All right. What's next, Evan? One of the stories that I've been interested in all training camp is the Patriots' offense. Who's calling plays? What does Mac Jones look like? It's like Matt Patricia. Joe Judge, Bill Belichick, all these defensive guys. So, Mac Jones said today, I'm going to figure it out. I always have. I always will. At the end of the day, you're going to have your ups and downs with anything new. But I've learned a lot of different systems, and the guys around me have too. So, 
Matt Jones, how concerned are you about the Patriots offense and Matt Jones in year two with this collection of defensive coordinators calling the offensive plays? I first met Mac Jones when he was a sophomore in high school, Harry. He was uh, he, he committed to Kentucky as a sophomore in high school, and I talked to him on the phone to interview him. And I remember thinking, I've never talked to a 16-year-old that has more belief in his intelligence than Mac Jones. And actually, <laughs> it led me in some ways to kind of be turned off by it. But then I learned over the, over the days that I actually think his bravado about how smart he was was kind of true. I mean, he was a very smart player. At, at, at Alabama, I would say his intelligence in some ways on the field was even more than his talent a lot of the time. I think that's part of why the Patriots liked him so much. So whoever ends up calling the plays, Harry, I feel like it'll be fine, and I feel like Matt Jones will be able to pick it up. His quotes sometimes for a guy who hadn't won anything yet come off a little harsh. But to be honest with you, I think it'll be fine. Yeah, his intelligence make up for what he's definitely lacking uh, physically when it comes to the game of football, but I'm concerned about this. I am definitely concerned, and when you lose a guy like Josh McDaniels who goes to the Las Vegas Raiders to be the head coach, and then uh, you think about Matt Patricia. No, I can't get the image out of my head that Matt Patricia being in Detroit and couldn't get it done, and I can't get the image out of my head that Joe Judge was in New York with the Giants and he couldn't get the damn job done. But you have both of these guys coming back and what a call everybody's plays. better with Belichick. Everybody. I think about all the guys that have left him and not been successful, and then they come back and they're good. Like that, You're always better with him. It's like Saban at Alabama. They're just better if they're around him. Yeah, but I, but I will say this, though. When you think about offensive coordinator, you think about calling plays, being be, calling the right ones in, in special moments. And uh, people make fun about this, but right hash, left hash, what the call here? Uh, you're in shot territory once you cross the 50-plus yard line. What am I going to dial up? It's third and short. It's fourth and one. What are my go-tos? But you got to be able to deliver it and call it right into the headphones so the quarterback can get it in swiftly. Audibles, check with me. All those things play a factor when you – exactly. I see you laughing right now. Check All those me. things come into mind, man, when you think about play caller and offenses being on the same page because unlike defense, you can have one or two guys mess up defensively and a guy make a play and it's good. Offensively, all 11 guys have to be in unison on one accord. I wish you could have heard that interview I did with Matt Chelsea. I got off the phone and I was like, this guy, good grief, this guy. But, hey, it worked out for him. He's, he's more successful uh, than I'll ever be, but my goodness. <laughs> What's from, next, Evan? From one former Alabama quarterback to another. This is from Eagles camp, Jalen Hurts on new wide receiver A.J. Brown. We have a ton of great playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. A.J. just makes plays. That's what he does. He's done it for a while now in the league. Hopefully he continues to do it. I know he will. So, Harry Douglas, what are realistic expectations for the Eagles' offense? I think this offense could be one of the best in the National Football League. They were the number one rushing offense. I think one of the key pieces that they missed last year was a guy like A.J. Brown, who was a big-body wide receiver that you could just throw it up. They had a clip the other day of them practicing in the stadium and A.J. Brown uh, making a contested touchdown catch and going down and getting it. But those are the memories that I remember from A.J. Brown being with Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. That's what they miss, another big-body guy. Now you have that to go along with the number one rushing offense in the NFL. If not the best, top two or three offensive line, a solid defense, I think the Eagles can make a lot more noise than people people think they actually can. So you believe in Jalen Hurts? I do. Okay. I I don't know if I do or not. I mean, I I think this is going to be a great test. The best thing about getting A.J. Browning for Philadelphia is at the end of this year, you're going to know. You know what I mean? You're going to know. And the worst thing for a quarterback is almost like the situation the Giants were in after last year where 
there's enough good stuff that you want to keep him, but there's enough bad stuff that you're not sure, and you're left in this, well, we got to try again. I think with Jalen Hurts, when you bring in A.J. Brown, you're going to know at the end of this year if he's the guy. I think that's the best part of doing it. I think it'll probably work, but if it doesn't, you know this isn't the guy, and you can make decisions of what will be a loaded quarterback draft next year, Harry, as to what you're going to do. So I think that's why it was such a good decision, and I want to see him on the field. And they have that draft capital to make decisions however they want to make them Exactly. Well. I mean, that, that next year's quarterback class has a chance to be one of the best. There's seven guys that could go in the first round. There's three or four guys that could go in the top ten. Yep. So you got a lot of opportunities if you need to do it. What's and, next? No, it's funny. You know, most mock drafts I've seen have six. It's funny that Matt says seven, trying to get Kentucky's Will no, Levis. Kentu- Will Levis is in it now. He's one of the – he's one of the fu- – he's number three behind the – don't try to get me upset, Evan. Will, Le- Will Levis is in it. If you don't believe me, go ask Louisville when he scored about eight touchdowns against well, the well, I'm glad you brought that – no, well, hold on, Evan. I'm glad you brought that up. We had him on first take, and I told him if he ever disrespected Louisville like that again, I'm coming to Lexington, and I'm going to take my damn bet off myself. L's down. He scored so many times, they made him the mayor of Louisville. That's how many touchdowns he scored last year. Oh, I can't what wait is, to what they they tattoo call that stadium his now? Papa John's, Domino's, whatever it is. No, What's your next no. one? Cardinal Stadium. Cardinal oh, Stadium. Cardinal St- Go ahead. What's next? The 49ers, this is it's, it's depth chart season. The 49ers released their unofficial depth chart. Here's their quarterbacks. Trey Lance, Nate Sudfeld, Brock Purdy. And Jimmy G, in that order, Jimmy G listed fourth on the 49ers unofficial depth chart. I said it's depth chart season. Disrespectful. That's uh, (laughs) what's the best landing spot for Jimmy G because that clearly shows that they are going to trade him or release him. That is disrespectful, Harry. Listen, if people who listen to me on this, they know my feelings about Jimmy G. I don't want to like him because he's too handsome, but you can't help it. He's gone and he beat. Green Bay twice on the road in the playoffs. He's been to a Super Bowl. He's been in an NFC Championship game. Now, maybe you have to move on because you picked Trey Lance and you got to use him. I understand that argument. But making him four-string is just disrespectful behind Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. Come on. I mean, he's a Purdy passer, <laughs> but he is not the head of Jimmy G. Harry, it is disrespectful. No, it's not. Why am I putting him ahead of people when I know he's not going to be here? I know they're going to trade him so or get rid of him at some him. point. Why are they so quick to get rid of him? What if Trey Lance well, gets hurt? You could still make a you, you could a, still make a run with Jimmy G. That's the decision that they made. Now, when we talk about best landing spots, I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns, especially because uh, Deshaun Watson is going to be looking at probably a year of being suspended. So if I have a roster that's built like them, especially offensively, number five defense, let me throw that in there. You have your two running back deep, your two tight end deep. You have one of the better offensive lines. You have Amari Cooper. I'm plugging in Jimmy G because when has he, when has he been at his best? When he, has a, when he had a run game and a great defense. So I'm going to plug him right in there at Cleveland and let him do his wonders. If he, if, I don't know the salary cap situation with that because they're already paying, you know, paying Baker, paying him, all this stuff. But if there's yeah, money to do it, then I actually agree with you. I think that would be the best place. If there's money to do it, I just don't know if there is. Behind Brock <laughs> Purdy. Come on, man. That's not even nice. Now, Brock, Pur- Brock Purdy. Come I here, Miss Purdy. <laughs> now, I said a few minutes ago, and it got some people frustrated, that I think Serena is the best athlete at her sport of anybody ever. There's nobody who's been better at their sport than Serena was at her sport. But here's my question for you. Does anybody disagree? 
888-SAY-ESPN. Who would be up there with Serena as being better at their sport than anyone else that's at it? The only person I can even think is close is Gretzky, but if you got a better one, Harry and I will listen and we'll judge you. 888-SAY-ESPN. But before we get to that, Harry, tell me about FanDuel. Start the second half of the baseball season the right way and turn K's into cash and big hits into big wins with FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just sign up using promo code PLAY. Place your first bet, and FanDuel will give you up to $1,000 back in match bets if you don't win. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using promo code PLAY. To get started with no sweat, first bet up to $1,000. So disrespectful to Jimmy G. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. It is Canty and Carlin here, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Matt Jones. I threw it out there and said, Harry, that I think Serena is the best to ever do a sport of all time. And she is potentially, well, she is. She didn't use the word retiring, but she was essentially saying she was retiring in a Vogue magazine article that was actually really fascinating, Harry, about the athlete mindset. It was kind of, she was basically saying, it is hard for me to contemplate not doing this thing I've been doing my whole life. You had to come to that realization at some point that you were going to stop this thing that you had done since you were a little kid. How hard is that transition to just give up what you've done forever? It's one of the hardest decisions that you would ever make in your life. And then when you think about it, uh, you think about people like a Tom Brady, a Tiger Woods. uh, For most of their life, they have been doing one thing. You think about Tom Brady for 20-plus years, he has been playing football. So his entire adulthood, that's what he's been doing. Tiger Woods, since he's been a teenager, that's what he has been doing. So – it's a difficult decision, but you also think about it like this, and uh, I'm pretty sure. But for sure you, what was it like? Like to, when when you had to say no more? No, it, I mean it was tough, but I was ready to move on to my next chapter in my life. Oh, you were okay. I were. I, I was. I was ready to move on and uh, to the next thing that I that I wanted to get into. So uh, it wasn't as hard for me. I mean, it's always going to be tough because I've been playing football since I was like six, seven years old. Yeah. All right. So that's that's the tough part about it. Yeah, well, for Serena, not only to do it, but to be the best at it, 
It's got to be hard. And, but it's also, I think, hard when you've been the dominant person and you're not quite as dominant anymore. You're still out there going and you remember what you were. I think that's also a level. That's what you meant talking about Tiger. That's one of the things Tiger dealt with is, is dealing with is he still can play. He can still win, but Mm -hmm. he'll never be the Tiger he was. And so can you, how do you keep doing it when you're not the guy you were? I think that's tough. All right. So I asked you who, who are some people maybe that, are this good at their sport as Serena was at hers? And ESPN's tennis analyst, James Blake, is going to join us at 6.30. Let's get started. Tim is in Cincinnati. Tim, who do you think is as good at their sport as or dominant as Serena was at tennis? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, Michael Phelps in swimming was dominant from the beginning to the end of his career. Swimming's a little harder for me because there are so many different events it's hard to say that, like, one person that did a certain set of events is definitively the best. I think Phelps is the best, but there are people who will make arguments for other people. Would you put Phelps as being as dominant, uh, Harry, at swimming as Serena is at tennis? I wouldn't put Phelps there, um, and I know he was outstanding uh, within the water and, and swimming and really putting – uh, from a country's perspective, I would say, you know, putting his country on the map in those regards as well. But when I look at people like Serena, who just didn't make a difference on the court but made it off the court, not saying that Michael Phelps didn't do that, uh, I think she has a stronger case. Okay, I agree with you that she did more off the court, but that's not really. I mean, we're talking about who's dominant, like who absolutely dominates their sport. Yeah, she I don't dominated know. Off and on. No, the she definitely dominated. I mean, look, I'm making the claim she's the the most dominant of all time. But what I don't know that like advocacy off the court is about dominance. You know what I mean? Like not to downplay it at all. But I just don't know that that's the same. I mean, Michael Phelps won gold medals in multiple Olympics on a multi a variety of different types of events. Mm-hmm. You know, people who know swimming say he's, he's the best of all time. I just think the gap between Serena and Steffi Graf is so huge that it's almost impossible for a swimmer to be able to sort of match that gap. I understand where you're coming from. Brandon is in Reno. What do you got, Brandon? Hey, guys. uh, This is also keeping it with the water just a little different. I personally think uh, Kelly Slater is probably the most dominant surfer of all time, and he's been doing it since 89. So, All right, now – I will admit, I know nothing about surfing except I watched a really good documentary about it on uh, HBO Max called uh, The Big Wave or something like that. But do you, Harry, you you started shaking your head the moment he said it. You just completely going to dismiss surfing as as being in the conversation? I'm not, Matt, because I, I went out to San Diego one time. Like My buddy lives like right on the water, and he took me out surfing. You talk about my abs and my core and my groin and everything and my body hurting for days. So I'm not going to sit up here and discredit surfers because. Oh, that, uh, but you were shaking your head when he said it. Yeah, because that's the last thing I'm going to think about is a surfer in this category. That's why. Brandon, I'm who's my the head. second best surfer of all time? 
Well, my favorite uh, who's close to up there is Andy Irons, but yeah. he unfortunately uh, passed a little earlier than his time. But I think he's the second grace, and that's one of the best rivalries, I think, in sports, honestly, with Andy Irons versus Kelly Slater. They did it for 10 years, back-to-back champions. There you go. Well, Harry, now you know what to look up. Kelly Slater versus Andy Irons. And uh, you can – th- Why you got to be so harsh on surfing? You no, already I'm said it was hard. Why do you have to be harsh no, on it? And, and, and that's why, because it left my body sore as hell, and I and I and I haven't forgave the surf gods for it. That's why. Let's do one more <laughs> quickly. Eli in Maryland, who you got? Thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, I'm circling back to Tiger Woods. I think for sure. Um, it's hard but, to say anything negative about Serena, but Tiger, I think, but, just set the bar for. But here's why I would. First of all, I think Tiger's the greatest of all time. I'm not dismissing that. But here's why I don't think the gap is as big because there's still the issue that Jack has more majors, right? Like that's still that's still the issue. Now, with that said, I think Tiger winning 15 now is harder than Jack winning 18 then. But Eli, you still have that as an issue of people going, well, you can't say it's definitively the best by a huge gap if the most important thing he's not even the top on. I, no, that, I agree. Um, all right. Well, Eli, I guess we lost Eli there. You, but did, does that matter to you, Harry, at all? Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the main things I was thinking about when it came to Tiger is that you, you think about Jack Nicholas and him having 18 majors and Tiger at 15. Now, Grant, I think you brought up the most important point. I think getting to 18 is tougher in today's game than it was. Oh, when significantly was tougher. Significantly tougher. I think, because I think that's the most important The game has opened up to the world that. in a way that oh, it did course. not then. And there are just more people yep. that play. Back when Jack played, it was kind of a country club sport. It's not as much anymore. I think it is much harder uh, now. Kenny and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, 888-SAY-ESPN, you can still get in with who you think is equally as good. Maybe try to convince Harry that surfing is a sport. You were so dismissive of surfing. I think you just I don't didn't like say it was a sport. Stop. Stop. You, you just don't I like the bros who surf. You don't like their hair. You don't like their beads. Cowabunga, dude. See, so Cowabunga, dismissive dude. of those good surfers that are out there. One of them needs to call and let you have it. We'll deal with that and a little football. That's next here on Candy and Carl. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. It is Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry, former Oklahoma assistant football coach Kale Gundy, read a racially charged word aloud, molt aloud, multiple times, according to the head coach Brent Venables, and he then resigned from the program. Venable said he knows what he did was wrong. He chose to read aloud to his players not once but multiple times a racially charged word, and Coach Gundy did the right thing in resigning. Originally, when this came out, Gundy had made a statement where he said he did it once. Venables now said he did it a bunch of times. Apparently, there was a player who wasn't paying attention. He was supposed to be taking notes. He didn't. 
the coach picked up the, the what his notes were and it was something else and he read what it was. When you heard the story, did you think resigning was the right thing? Of course, because uh, things like this can't be accepted. In, in, in any workplace, in any forms, uh, shapes, or sizes, however you, you, you want to put it. Um, but we got to understand, like, we got to do better. We got to understand that, like, you can't say certain things. And the simple fact that he read it not once but multiple times, like, it, it, it bothers me because we're still at this place where people don't know that, hey, maybe I shouldn't say this. Maybe I shouldn't read this. And I'll be frankly honest with you, I don't care that people are coming up, coming out and saying that, hey, Coach Gundy's my guy, this is this. Trust me, I don't care. Coach Gundy should have kn- known yeah, better. Yeah, Coach Gundy can be your guy, and he still shouldn't have done it. Right? Exactly. Like, like, I mean, you know, I'm not saying that this incident, I think we're very quick in this world to just dismiss people as human beings and say they're awful because of one thing. I wouldn't say that. I don't know this guy. I mean, he may be a great guy. But sometimes you can do something, Harry, that's so bad you got to quit. Like you got – that doesn't mean he should never work again. But it may be the case that because, Harry, this happened, he has to he has to resign. No, I agree with you. And he's someone who's been with that program for a very, very long time. And But he, he – he used piss, piss poor judgment. I'm, that's exactly how I'm going to put it. It was piss poor judgment by him, someone who should have known better. And not all the time you should prove your point by doing things that you think is right. And I don't even know how you would think that that is even right, though. That, that's, I think that's why it's bothering me so much, man. I agree. I don't know how. Listen, it had to be one of these things that when he said it the first time, he had to have looked up and gone, this is not going well, and then you just keep doing it. <laughs> Part of it to me is college coaches, and you know this, college football coaches believe they can do anything, anything. Right. Like they are kings of a castle, and they can do absolutely anything, and I think it leads to them making mistakes like this because if, 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 if there's nobody to tell them no and you just keep going and going and you end up doing things that you look back on as dumb. I'll tell you what, when you do a show with Harry Douglas here on Canty and Carlin, you feel like you got to work out because he makes you bring your A game. I'm Matt Jones. I, you know, I have four hours of radio. It's a marathon, and you got to be ready. <laughs> but the thing about Harry is it's a marathon with somebody that's sprinting the whole time. Like, he doesn't just say, okay, this is going to be a segment where we just jog for a little bit. Like, if you watch the Tour de France, and they, they're in the, the, the pack for a lot, you know what I'm saying, the, the peloton. He's going full speed moment one. Full and so throttle, after, baby. Full and throttle. so after two hours, I've already gone through my bag of big chewy nerds, and I got to do something else to get my energy up <laughs> in order to uh, to fight with him. 888-SAY-ESPN. We were talking about Serena Williams and how she is definitively better than everyone else in tennis. And who else in sports was definitively better than everybody that they is in their sport to that degree? The best answer I've seen so far is Michael Phelps. I still wouldn't quite put him over Serena, but I think that's mm-hmm. the best. Harry completely dismissed surfing with Kelly Slater. He literally said, surfing is the weakest thing I've ever seen. That was a direct quote, Harry, wasn't it? <laughs> no, you can't do that to me because, you know, the people, I'm going to get the hate tweets. You're going to get then the now I gotta put Now I, now I got to ch- put people in their place because, you know, I don't bite my tongue. They're over there. Don't worry, the but, surfers. They're over there drinking but, but tea. I'm not, but, I'm not, but I'm not putting I, – I, I cannot put surfing up there, uh, especially the surf gods, the way y'all treated me when I went surfing for the first time and I left my body feeling as sore as it did. And I was actually hi- highly working out at the time. So, nope, I haven't, forgi- I haven't forgiven any surfers. I haven't forgiven the surf gods. So, no, you're not even in the equation.
All right. Surfers are over there drinking tea with Aaron Rodgers anyway. They're not worried about it. It's 888-SAY-ESPN. Let's go to Andre in Massachusetts. Andre, who you got? Yeah, how you doing? Uh, speaking of the greatest, we, we have to get the white mamba, that's Diana Taurasi, into the conversation. You know, I heard uh, we're talking about the Olympics uh, previous calls. She got five gold, gold medals. We want to talk about uh, league championships. You got three WNBA championships, two finals MVPs. Okay. We want to talk about college level. That's another three natties that she has. Two uh, most outstanding player awards. Uh, so the white mama, Diana Taraz, I think she flies under the radar. All-time WNBA uh, leading Wow, sport. look at this. Okay. I feel like I'm listening to her agent. Let me tell you how you know you did a good job. The whole time you were talking, I'm watching Harry on the Zoom. He was dancing the entire time. Harry, you liked that answer so much you were dancing the I entire did. time. Well, what's his, What was his name, Andre? I think it was Andre, yeah, in Massachusetts. Uh, Andre, listen, my man, uh, I, I commend you because Diana Taurasi is my favorite basketball player, uh, especially when I, well, women. She's my favorite women's basketball player. And I vividly remember when she was on the baseline, that's championship game, and spun out of bounds and shot it with her left hand and hit nothing but nets. Uh, Diana Taurasi has had my eye since she was at UConn, and she's actually someone that uh, allowed my daughter, who's six years old now, and wants me to teach her how to play basketball, but I actually show her a lot of Diana Taurasi so she can want to do it even more. So Diana Taurasi is, like, when I mean up there, She's up there for me. So I, I love that answer, Andre. I love it. All right, let's go to Kenny in Tennessee. First of all, Kenny, where are you in Tennessee? And don't say Knoxville. Clarksville, Tennessee. All right, Clarksville, that's close to Nashville. That's the good side of Tennessee. All right, so what do you got? Man, uh, I know you only – just hear me out now. Uh, I got more than one, but I don't know which one to get. I'm, so I'm Kenny, I want you to go with whichever one you like because I already like you with that twang. Go ahead. I'm going to go with Ray Lewis. He dominated his position better than any player in the history of football. And he made everybody around him great. There you go. Is Ray Lewis the best linebacker definitively, Harry, as much as Serena is the best tennis player? What are you going you going you going to try to tell Kenny no, in, te- in Tennessee he's wrong? Listen, man, you but <laughs> that Ray Lewis was an outstanding linebacker, like right? We we know that, but it was so many people best linebacker of all position. time, is he? Best linebacker of all time? Oh. I think I, he I got picked that. ESPN did their yeah, thing. No, no, no. I think but, they but just picked him as that, just like last but, week. But what's the gap between him and other linebackers? Yeah, it's not, it's that's, not that's, high. That's the thing. It's very close. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, wh- wh- wherever you put Ray Lewis, whatever you put Ray Lewis, he's Jack very Lambert close to guys. everybody else. Yeah, so I, 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 would not, I would not put him in there. But uh, uh, did like, we forget about somebody named Lawrence Taylor? I know a lot of people, he was an outside linebacker, but a lot, but I mean, OLB. Just saying linebacker. Yeah. Let's yeah. go to Don in Dallas. Who are you going with, Don? Hey, I got two quick things here. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, as far as the, who's the greatest, I would have to go with Deion Sanders because there's hands down, he's the greatest cornerback of all time. But, Harry, I want to ask you, because uh, Bart and on their previous show had they Mount Rushmore. Bart put uh, Floyd Mayweather on the Mount Rushmore and took off Le- Le- LeBron James. But, Harry, we're from the South. You cannot be the best fighter of all time, best fighter, and died somebody for five years. Ooh. That, that, that's, a, that's a tough one because Floyd, I will say he never lost, and he showed 
uh, I'll say a great brand of boxing, but when you got into the ring with Floyd, your chances of hitting Floyd were going to be minimized, but you are right. He did dodge a lot. And you see guys like Muhammad Ali who, who, who he, he danced around the ring, but he took some shots and he did it rightfully so, but I don't know. I don't know if you can dismantle Floyd Mayweather being on Mount Rushmore. All right, well, that's, I don't, I don't uh, he's, Floyd's not on it. That's nonsense. Whoever said that, Bart's wrong. But that's all right. There's a lot more to go, including an injury with the Jets. That's next on Kenny and Carlin.